want to say this in a braggadocious way, but a person at CNN and a couple of other people said, we have to put Donald Trump in this debate. We're going to die with it. Let's see. I don't think they'll do badly because there is a curiosity factor. I don't think they're going to do great. And I think a lot of people will turn off after a little while. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. All right, and welcome to another edition of The Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 in Los Angeles, 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Oregon Central Coast, coast to coast and around the globe on kpfk.org, WLRI 93 FM in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, on the Stitcher app, the TuneIn app, on iTunes, on the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, RadioOrNot.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, and Radio Sputnik, five days a week, usually hosted by Brad Friedman of Bradblog.com. But today, one more time, you got me, Nicole Sandler of RadioOrNot.com. Oh boy, we got a big show for you today coming up a little later in the program. Wondering how your views mesh with the Democratic candidates? Who are you more closely aligned with than the others? Well, later on this hour, we'll take a look at the candidate scorecard with Robert Borsage of the Campaign for America's Future. But first, the topic we cannot run from no matter how much we'd like to, guns. Yeah, but here's the difference from our discussion of, um, well, uh, a couple of days ago. With this latest cluster of school shootings, we may finally have reached critical mass. A term you'll probably hear more than a few times on this episode of the broadcast. Now, to illustrate my point, listen to Elizabeth Warren speaking on the Senate floor just Friday. Mr. President, for 20 years, one of the biggest billboards in America was next to Fenway Park, facing the Massachusetts Turnpike. It had a giant number counter on it. And when I was running for the Senate in 2012, I would drive past that billboard sometimes three or four times a day. And each time I'd look up at the counter to see how it changed since the last trip. Up two, up six, up 12. The billboard was from Stop Handgun Violence and it showed the number of children killed by guns in the United States. When the tragedy happened at Sandy Hook Elementary School, my first thought was of the 20 little children who would be added to the count on that billboard. I thought about how we, the grown-ups, had failed to keep safe the thousands of children counted there. Mass shootings, everyday shootings, drive-by shootings, random shootings, sometimes with big headlines and mostly with no headlines at all. The facts are simple. 88 Americans die every day from gun violence. Seven of those people are children or teens. That's seven a day, every day. Young bodies piling up by the thousands year after year. What has happened to us? If seven children were dying every day from some mysterious virus, our country would pull out all the stops to figure out what had gone wrong and to fix it. Well, gun violence is an epidemic, an epidemic that kills children, kills them in schools, on playgrounds, and in our neighborhoods. But day after day, month after month, tragedy after tragedy, the United States Congress has done nothing, nothing. Republicans in the Senate have blocked even the smallest steps to protect our communities and keep our children safe. This must stop now. Today, Senate Democrats are calling on Republicans to join us in supporting three measures to reduce gun violence. First, in the gun show loophole, everyone gets a background check. Second, in straw purchases, the one who gets checked has to be the true owner. And third, close holes in the background check database and stop domestic abusers from purchasing guns, period. Look, let's be frank. These three steps won't be enough 
to stop all handgun violence in our communities. But these are meaningful steps in the right direction, steps that huge majorities of Americans support, steps that are calm and sensible. And these three steps are a test, a test for every single member of Congress. These three steps put the question to everyone in Congress. Who do you work for? Do you represent the people who have lost children or sisters or cousins to gun violence, who have stood at gravesides and sworn that we will make change? Do you represent the people who don't want their loved ones to be the next victims? Do you represent the people who want some sensible rules about gun safety? Or do you represent the NRA? It is time to make a choice right here in Congress, the American people or the NRA. Thank you, Mr. President. I yield. Oh, boy, do we need more of her. Well, that's Elizabeth Warren. And, yeah, I do think that um, the Senate will at least attempt to do something. But we know how that usually turns out. However, maybe things have changed. I don't know. To discuss it, a guy that I talked to about gun violence and school shootings and mass murders all too often. Oh, Cliff Schechter, we got to stop meeting like this. I, I couldn't believe it when I awoke Friday morning and saw that the day began at about one o'clock in the morning with another shooting on another college campus. And then as the day went on, there was yet another one. The first one was in Arizona. The second one was in Texas. And then we learned that on that same campus, in the last, what, month, there have been, or the last week, there have been three shootings. I mean, yeah. this, this, is, this has gone past insanity mode to um, surreal at this point. I don't even know how to describe it. No, I mean, yes, it is surreal. I, um, I think if I'm correct, there was also another one at a high school that day in San Diego. Um, you know, I mean, this, this is the kind of stuff that if you sit down, you analyze numbers, you use some common sense, it's pretty easily predictable. Um, you know, I've gone on your show a number of times and I said, if we don't do things, it's just going to get worse because it doesn't make me any kind of a genius. You know, we've got heavy weaponry, more and more advanced weaponry being put out in the streets um, and we've got a more and more radicalized right-wing culture where you've got people who are not completely stable, to put it kindly, being fed all sorts of tripe, whether it's by right-wing radio, um, you know, these right-wing conferences, <clears throat> the, the online, you know, news sites and the rest of them. And it all adds up to, you know, you've got people who are basically being egged on to commit acts of violence and have access to more uh, heavy weaponry or more, you know, the stuff, stuff that could just kill that much quicker and easier. And, you know, well, for all the, the, the fake posturing by the Republicans who claim they, they care somewhat about mental health whenever this stuff happens, that's one of their things they throw out there and never actually try to do anything about. You know, that, that's the truth of it, is that we're not putting the kind of money that a lot of other countries are putting into mental health facilities. Well, and, Reagan yeah. and that's part and of it. In the 80s, we haven't. So, I mean, you know, that combination is 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 very dangerous and uh, let me say just say quickly that a number of states have improved things so it's not like we haven't been moving in a positive direction anywhere but obviously we're still until we do this on a federal level we're just going to have way too many loopholes no i agree and and uh you know you mentioned um you know the crazies on the they, they come up with one more implausible explanation after another i mean uh, yes uh, mental health well we agree you know we we are woefully we woefully underfund um services for mental health care uh that that goes without saying but you can't it's not an all or nothing thing and one thing that i've i think come to terms with over the last year or so is that there is no one solution that we are going to need a whole series of changes from, you know, better and more stringent background checks to, um, you know, to an assault weapons ban to 
funding mental health services, and on and on and on. This is a multifaceted problem. It's not just one cause, so there's not just one solution. Well, yeah, and look, if you analyze anything that is a major public health problem, um, which is what gun violence is, you'll come to the same conclusion for any of them. I mean, I mean, an easy one to think about is drunk driving, for example, or let's just talk about uh, highway fatalities, because that's more of the overall umbrella issue. Okay. Well, we started doing drunk driving checkpoints and lowering the blood alcohol level people could get arrested for and making it that much more difficult, penalizing bartenders who kept serving people. Um, you know, these kinds of things on the drunk driving side. But, you know, child safety seats put in. I mean, I don't think I even was ever in one of those, you know. Um, no. But if I was, it was a short period of time. I mean, seat belts and cars are made better. And, right. I mean, you know, right. you, you have to tackle this from all sides. Now, and I know that, that I've shared with you... Uh, first, my, my whole idea about other nations implementing travel warnings against coming here. I don't know if you saw this, but it was last week or the week before. An Australian group called, uh, I think it's Gun Control Australia or something original mm-hmm. like that, actually came out and said it. She, the, the, the leader of this group um, said, uh, we have 2.1 million Australians visiting the U.S. every year and over 200,000 expats in America. So I believe we have a duty to respond to this tragedy in the U.S. And the way to do this is have a boycott of non-essential travel to the United States. Um, Well, I I thought that was, I mean, yeah, and I hate to to say all this because obviously I don't want people to lose jobs here. I don't want us to be hurt. But the truth is is that perhaps we need to be hurt to move in the right direction. I read somewhere, I don't know if it was The Economist or something, something very similar, which is, that there should be warnings. Essentially what they said is to people coming from England or coming from Japan or coming from Canada or coming from Australia or wherever they might be coming from, countries that have actually implemented, you know, common sense technology and data-based, you know, systems uh, in all sorts of public health areas that we've done in some areas, like where we've headed on to on smoking, for example. Um, but not there. And, and, you know, the way that you warn people about the smog if they're going to China. <laughs> right. And you warn people about a coup breaking out yeah. if they're going to certain countries in Africa, that gun violence, the United States should be included on this list because you are going to bring yourself at a much larger risk when you come here versus anywhere in Western Europe or in Canada or in, you know, some a number of, of Asian countries, developed Asian countries, South Korea, Japan, you know, uh, Singapore or Australia, New Zealand, you're putting yourself at a much greater risk coming here. And that's something people should be told, So, frankly. Cliff Schachter, um, obviously you write and you, you, d- you write on many other subjects. It seems you and I are constantly talking about guns, uh, probably because, what, we talk every few weeks, every month or so, and within the time frame there's always, uh, like, another at least handful of these shootings. It is an epidemic, and it seems like... Well, we've had a school shooting every week. Every week. Oh, my God. It's tripled, by the way, the number of mass shootings since 2011, the pace that they're happening. So we're not just imagining this. This It's not just social media and being more aware. Yes, we're more aware, but this this really is happening. So I'm wondering, you know, we've asked the question before, if nothing was done, if these uh, chickens in Congress can't, uh, couldn't get their act together, couldn't uh, muster up the courage to go against the NRA after 20 babies were gunned down in their first grade classroom, after a sitting member of Congress, one of their colleagues, was hit in the head, shot in the head yeah. at a constituent event in a supermarket parking lot, if they couldn't you know, muster up enough uh, guts to go against the NRA and do something to protect the people of this nation, we thought, well, then nothing, nothing will be done. But maybe it's sheer, um, you know, grounding down, like enough already. I think the, the collective outrage, which with each subsequent school shooting, and I think that's last right. week we might have hit critical mass. Yes, yeah, so that's the thing, Nicole, is that, we always can't imagine anything happening worse, and that's because, well, thankfully, you and I don't have those kinds of imaginations. I don't think most people do, but we've had a couple. I've, you know, I've been working on this issue for too long now, yeah. so I know the different inflection points we've had where it wasn't just a day or two conversation like most of these things are, and then we'd go back to the way it was. And the first time you mentioned the other two, the first time was after Tuson because of, yep. of the Giffords shooting. Yep. 
The second and even much bigger one, of course, for obvious yeah. reasons, was Newtown. I mean, Moms Demand Action, which now has a couple million members, two million, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Over a million certainly came out of that. Came, Mom, wait a minute, wait a minute. Group. Moms Demand Action came out of um, Sandy Hook. Because I know every town for gun safety, Sandy Hook Promise, didn't those come out of Newtown as well? Um, Sandy Hook Promise did, yeah. and every town for gun safety is a combination, is the merging oh. of, of mayors against illegal guns, which who I worked for right. before any of this, who right. was started in 2006 by Mayor Bloomberg and a large coalition of mayors. Um, and... Uh, they merged with Moms Demand Action and became every town. So you've got this oh. grassroots component, and then you also have this sophisticated political and well-funded component okay. working together. Um, and you know, and I said this on a number of other shows. I mean, numerous things have changed in the right direction since then. These campus carry bills and things like that they've been pushing, the NRA lost in over 90% of those bills they pushed in the state legislatures. You have to put yourself in the perspective of these were people that between 2000 and 2006 won everything all the time. They lost over 90% of the time. Uh, Washington State passed via ballot initiative universal background checks. Oregon uh, and Delaware and, we're missing a few others, passed it in their legislatures and signed it. California has started taking steps even further with this bill, you know, this gun restraining order, where family knows there's something wrong with them. I mean, that should be standard practice. Well, California passed that. Well, now this election, we're going to have, at least in Nevada and Maine, we're going to have uh, background checks on the ballot again. And by this election, I mean the 2016 cycle, and those will pass overwhelmingly because it's overwhelmingly supported too. So it, we're moving in the right direction. The problem is, is that you know when you're moving in the right direction on, on an issue, kind of like with smoking, you know every step you make in a positive direction is great, but 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 a lot of people are still dying while it's going on. And that is obviously the issue here is that you know we can't just stop. Uh, you know, things cold tomorrow because we're moving in the right direction, but we are. And, and I'll say after the, this one in Oregon, you know, I've never seen anything like the reaction to this except for maybe Newtown. I mean, right. we've had gun owners doing, you know, YouTube videos about how they can't, they feel guilt and can't handle it anymore. Really? And they've, you know, and they've taken their guns apart. And, you know, this is one, this one video that's going viral. And this guy started a new group for people that are gun owners but do not want to stick by the NRA. And they already have, I don't know how many members. And that could end up being a real counterbalance. People that you and I wouldn't fully agree with but are sane moderates on the gun issue who would be with us on background checks and assault weapons. Maybe they would part ways with us when we head towards licensing and registration and other things. I don't know, but still, that's, you know, that still is a great counterbalance that came out of this. I mean, I've seen numerous things. People Magazine imploring, I mean, when it hits pop culture, imploring people to act and, and listing you know, 535 I, phone numbers that, of every member of let's Congress. Talk about that. Let's talk about that for a second, because that's unprecedented. And People Magazine, not exactly, you know, the nation or the economist or a political magazine by any stretch of the imagination. And for them to run a feature um, listing every member of Congress and their phone number and telling you, telling the reader, the People magazine readers, yep. to call them and demand action on, on guns, you know, we, uh, again, to use that term, we've reached critical mass. That's right. I mean, that's what my point to you is, is that I can tell because I know the reactions to all these things. And so I know when the reaction is different. I know when you see, you, you see certain things happening when you see more, you know, celebrities involved and horrified, when you see more regular people starting groups or just taking to social media and, and you know, saying, I'm throwing my guns out, I can't handle this, I'm a, I'm a responsible gunner, I've never had a problem, but I feel like I'm a part of this, which just happened, and that goes viral. You know, you, you, you have uh, even certain people in, in the other party among crazy Republicans who, who almost seems like publicly are, are, are not necessarily rethinking their view, but certainly are, are feeling more pressured and moving in a slightly different direction. I mean, you've seen all of that stuff. So uh, the truth of the matter is, is that, no, we're not where we need to be, and we probably won't be for a decade or who knows how much longer, but the demographics are headed in that direction. The NRA is becoming more and more known for what they are, which is not a group that advocates for gun owners, a group that advocates for selling as many guns as possible for the people that bribe them. Uh, the gun industry, mm -hmm. the arms dealers, mm -hmm. and I, you know all that. You know the, the amount of education that's occurred because of these new groups, because of the new money that's out there, because of everything that's been going on. 
and, and the victories we won has been huge. So, uh, you know, I'm not just sitting here being a pessimist. I'm sitting here saying that clearly things have still gotten worse because of uh, of the fact that that weaponry is out there. But we are headed, at the very least, in the right direction in sort of conquering this, this public health problem because there's a ton more than you and I just said. You can do too. There should be liability insurance yep. for people who buy guns. Yep. Yep. You know, I mean that that's just a no-brainer. Yeah, right? you have to have it and, if you're and, driving a car, and that's the right. car has a use other than killing things. You know, there, living there should things. be psychological right. tests. The, yep. the the you know the guys who are at at these gun shops should be hugely and heavily regulated to the point of where guns can't just oops disappear, so they can sell them out the back door for yep. twice as much. Yep. You know, I mean, it's all sorts of other things beyond background checks and an assault weapons ban, you know, and, and limiting uh, magazines that needs to happen. But those are the first things that need to happen. Right. And, you know, I, I, again, it'll take too long and too many people will die in the meantime, oh, sadly. Oh, but I, I know we're moving in the right direction. And, you know, as just to end where we started here, who knows when Australia or other countries, it starts becoming a serious issue as to whether they're going to recommend to their people that they should still come here. Yeah. Well, what you know, we'll see. I, I, I think, that, as we've discussed, the way to get lawmakers to act is hit them in the pocketbook or, you know, just you, you have this uh, uh, this this nonstop public health epidemic really reach uh, again to use the term critical mass, which we have. But Cliff Schechter, I got to ask you this, because yep. um, obviously we're just over <clears throat> a year away from a presidential election. Um, and actually, this recent the, the most recent round of these mass shootings got Hillary Clinton to make some real definitive statements about what she would do about the need for more gun control laws and to say that I, there are a lot of things I can do by executive order, which in turn, you know, put the pressure on Obama saying if, if Hillary can do things by executive order, can't you? And now apparently his administration is looking at what they can do in you know, the next year without having to wait for a, a new uh, administration that's to come right. in, right? Do well, you have no, any that's hope usually here? helpful because my thought was, <clears throat> you know, she had a reason to do it because of uh, going up against Bernie Sanders. And, right. he hasn't and been I want to ask about guns, Bernie. He, yep. he seems to be coming around and getting better, yes, too, because I think he realizes so. that this is a moment when the country is not going to accept anything less. But, yeah, what she did, I, you know, and that was the one thing I always said whatever, I don't, we don't need to get into what happened in 2008, but there are people that were Obama people, people that were Hillary people. There are people that were for, for somebody else completely, which was me. But in the end, me too. I supported Obama over Hillary. Yep. I was a John Edwards guy. Me too. I, I voted for it. John Edwards in the primary. <clears throat> yep. So, so I, so I, you know, I was a, I, Obama was maybe my fourth choice and yep. Hillary my fifth. I mean, seriously, Chris right. Dodd was higher up for me. <laughs> and, um, but but in the end, you know, or I don't know if I said that backwards. I supported Obama in the end. Right. But the one thing I said that I really liked about Hillary that worried me about Obama is that Hillary would not take any crap from anybody. Yeah. All right. I mean, she was the she if she felt that she could do something and it was within her purview to do it. She's aggressive and she does it. And I like that. Uh, I think President Obama, certainly the last year and a half, has been a ton better than he was yeah. earlier in his presidency, from Cuba to what he's done with emissions of China and a whole variety of things where he's just basically told the right to buzz off. And in speeches, what he said about him, even the speech after the shooting in Oregon, um, what he had to say about them. So I think, but still, you know, this is a classic example of kind of what I was, what I would have said about these two people because she immediately looked at things and said, you know, you, we change and define rules all the time. I mean, I worked in one of those campaigns to push President Obama to define the overtime rule hmm. as being a much higher threshold so more people will get overtime pay. I mean, that's not a new law. We have overtime pay. It's how you define who gets it. Well, it's the same thing here. We have a background check law. And we and the law says that anybody who's in the business of selling guns. So you have these people, and we know because when we did some undercover sting stuff when I worked with Mayors Against Illegal Guns, you know we had one guy on tape who said he'd sold 350 assault weapons that that year, but he was claimed to not be in the business of selling guns. He was just a private seller, you know, right. a hobbyist. Right. And so going beyond the way it came to be defined was just people that had federal licenses. Well, why? I mean, you know, you can read, you can define who's in the business of selling guns. That to me says maybe if you sell two antique guns a year or something, you're not. But if you are selling anywhere up to even a couple guns a year, you're in the business of selling guns and you should have to conduct background checks. So can you close the, the gun show loophole entirely? You, you know, no, you can't because there'll still be a couple hobbyists that sell a gun here and there. There certainly will be people 
you know, who goes, somebody goes and hands a gun over to their brother who they know does not have the best mentality or, or, or background. Mm-hmm. And we can't, so we can't stop everything. But my gosh, you know, by doing what Hillary Clinton's talking about doing and also redefining domestic abuse and not wanting, to, you know, because there's that loophole, too, that's based on, you know, the way we looked at things 30 years ago, that you can only be a domestic abuser if you have a child with somebody, you've been married to them or lived with them. You can't if you're just a boyfriend, if you're just a stalker, just a right, stalker, right. quote, unquote. And she she said we can redefine the terms of what domestic abuse means too, which we can. It's again, it's a rule. It's not a new law. Doing those two things would take would, would put would really enormously help. And now it looks like he's going to do it because she did it. So right. she deserves a lot of credit there. And people ask me, you know, why I support her. Uh, you know, I usually that's a reason that I give, which is that how hard she will push for these things. Not to say I like a lot of things about about Bernie Sanders, and I know you're a Bernie Sanders supporter, yep. and that's great too. Uh, I certainly would be happy to support him, but it's been where she's on guns, and the fact that she's a woman, and I think understands those issues where women have been attacked better than anybody else right now, and her aggressiveness has been really the main things that have <clears throat> that have made me a Hillary Clinton supporter. So. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, I mean, I, I'm really happy with what she did. Well, good. I, and, and I applaud her for this, and I believe in credit where credit is due. Uh, but Cliff Schechter, <laughs> I have a bone to pick. I know you don't write the headlines of your columns, um, but you yeah. have a Daily Beast column from January, and the headline reads, oh, I'm sorry, it was from July. Um, headline reads, uh, Bernie Sanders parrots the NRA. Ah, it's a right. bit far-fetched, and I can't tell you, um, a couple yeah, of people I, sent this I to me. I did not write that headline. Right, I know. I have no, I, just to be honest, um, look, I'm not going to make excuses. I wrote the, everything in there. Some yep. of it was edited, but I mean, it was my thoughts. But no, the headline was not mine. And I wouldn't, I mean, it depends what we mean by parrot. If it means like by we copy them in policy, of course not. All, what I was trying to say is that the more frustrating thing about Bernie Sanders is actually not his record, which is markedly improved. He supported the right bills in 2013 after Newtown, mm-hmm. you know, yep. it's, it's, it's more in that, he, you know, how it's his rhetoric and how comfortable he seems to be, um, with, you know, gun culture. And that's a problem. It's Although that's he, changing know, a little bit. And actually when we're, we're going to wrap yes. up in a minute and I'm going to play, um, Bernie Sanders was on meet the press, uh, this weekend. And, um, uh, I'm going to play the segment because Chuck Toad opened with guns. And, you yep. know, to his credit, here's my thing. And I asked him about it, too, when we spoke of it last month. My first question was, I wanted to, uh, look, I'm a supporter. I think you're great. But even the person you support so m- closely, you're not going to agree with 100%. So I want to concentrate no, on the things not. that I disagree with you on. And I we went immediately for the gun question because this is concerning. And to be f- Frank, I mean, yeah, I, I'm. I don't like the position he took over a decade ago on a couple of votes. He really has come around. He's got a D plus rating, I think, from the NRA, which is not like an A. And no, you know, and I think he's he's changing his mindset from senator representing the people of Vermont, a state that, in his yes. words, have virtually no gun control laws, and they don't need them, that state, or, or haven't to this point, I should say, uh, knock on linoleum, um, to realizing that as president, he'd be representing the people of all these United States, and he, and he needs to change his thinking, and it sounds like he has. Yeah, I mean, let me give him credit quickly, which is, the big thing that I think really upset a lot of the families, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm a member of these groups, I'm on these listers, and we're talking about family members yeah. of those lost at Aurora and Virginia Tech, yeah. you know, in places like that, was that he still was defending that vote in 2005, which was giving the, the gun companies immunity. And now um, he's <clears> saying that uh, he's now he's saying he wants to revisit it. Yep. So that's yep. a huge step in the right direction. You know, and so I think if he does that and he supports background checks and an assault weapons ban, which he said he does, and he doesn't, you know, use the defense anymore that, which has been problematic when he when he acts like there's just two sides screaming at each other and that moms who want to protect their kids are the same as NRA nuts. And maybe he doesn't mean it that way, but it comes off that way to people that, you know, that we need to have a conversation. People like me have wanted to have a conversation on this issue forever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not that we won't. Most people would consider background checks a pretty moderate reform here, right? It's the other side refuses to. And not the other side who are hunters in Vermont, 
you know, who have a tradition of of, of shooting responsibly right. and being, you know, because again, I'll say this every time when people, because people sort of question me, I spent six summers up in New Hampshire shooting on a riflery team, hmm. right next door to Vermont, and they, they, we were. It was about education, it was about training, about learning and respecting this weapon. And, you know, it was sport shooting, a completely different thing than a right wing militia culture. Um, of the kind that wants to overthrow our government, uh, is racist, is xenophobic to the core, and where guns are literally a symbol of, of everything, you know, where guns are, are a fetishized symbol. They're not just something you use to hunt or protect your home. That is a very different kind of gun culture, and so when he conflates both of those, he does himself a disservice, really, because it, it makes people angry who I think would otherwise support him, because these are two very different things. Not one person that I know uh, in the groups that I'm in, has called for rifles to be taken away from people's homes mm. so they can't sport shoot and hunt. Nobody. Nobody's right. calling for that. Right, right. And I think, look, uh, frankly, we're we're just uh, hours away from the first uh, Democratic debate. And uh, I think that you're going to have, look, this is going to be the first time that a, a lot of people in America are exposed to Bernie Sanders. And I think you're going to hear someone who has really given this a lot of thought and um, ha- has changed, much like Hillary Clinton. Look, I, I think Bernie Sanders is 100 percent or say 98 percent responsible for her coming out against Keystone, against TPP. And, and in this case, I'll give Hillary Clinton and and so just the events of and the uh, trade agreement too for that matter right i said tpp right oh and, i didn't hear that yep, i just heard yep, keystone yep. okay and yep. and uh, you know i'll give hillary clinton and and sadly the our sad state of things in this nation credit for having moved bernie sanders on the gun issue i think we're going to hear um a, a different uh take in this first debate i could be wrong but I don't think so. Well, I hope so. And again, you know, my I support, so the, I, I've told you I'm supporting Hillary as of this moment. It doesn't mean that couldn't change. Right. You know, I can okay. be won over. Good. <clears throat> Let's just put it that way. All right. And there are a lot of other people out there just like me. Yes, so. there are. And again, a lot of people are going to meet him for the first time. Anyway, uh, Cliff Schechter, I hate that this is what we talk about all the time. One of these days, me we're too. just going to have a fun, silly, fun interview again. Exactly. So okay. we can laugh again like we yes. used to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nicole. I appreciate it. Yeah, you know, he's the president of Libertas LLC, a, uh, a public relations firm. He's the best-selling author, The Real McCain. Uh, he's a columnist at the Daily Beast, as you heard we talked about. Oh, my problem with the headline on one of them. But just know, people who write the articles don't write the headlines. So, with the first Democratic debate just around the corner. We know that the gun issue will be uh, certainly one of the topics discussed. We've learned that Bernie Sanders' debate prep is kind of different, certainly from Hillary Clinton's, who we learned that over the weekend had no events scheduled so she could participate in mock debates. Bernie Sanders not doing any of that. When we come back, perhaps this was his debate prep appearing on Meet the Press over the weekend. Don't go away. We'll be back with Bernie Sanders on his position on guns. You want to hear it. I'm Nicole Sandler of RadioOrNot.com. In for Brad Friedman on the Bradcast. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us out today. But I know one thing. If it were up to me, I'd take away the gun. Take away the guns. I take away the guns. Oh, so would I, but it isn't up to me, sadly. And it isn't up to Cheryl Wheeler. 
That's the name of that singer-songwriter. That, uh, that song that we just heard the very ending, too, was called If It Were Up To Me. And she, she runs down a whole litany of things that it could be due to. It being our gun epidemic. You need to go and listen to that song in its entirety. Sadly, it's a song that I've been playing on the air pretty much on every mass shooting occasion uh, since Columbine. Singer-songwriter Cheryl Wheeler making a really big statement with that one. I'm Nicole Sandler of RadioOrNot.com in for Brad Friedman on the broadcast. Brad will be back tomorrow. I'm sure he'll have a lot to say about this and everything else we've been talking about the last few days, but the debate is coming up. CNN has the big countdown clock up and we're all in prep mode. Well, maybe not us. Certainly Hillary Clinton is. Although I've read that Bernie Sanders really isn't doing traditional debate prep. Probably because He's very comfortable with his positions on everything. In fact, he really hasn't wavered much. The one issue that he has, oh, to use a popular term, evolved on seems to be guns. And whereas we've heard reports of Hillary Clinton uh, not scheduling any appearances so she could do mock debates in preparation for the big CNN debate, Bernie Sanders, it's sort of business as usual. I think over the weekend... This is the kind of debate prep Bernie Sanders does, like sitting next to Chuck Toad on Meet the Press and answering questions about his position on guns. Uh, You're in Louisiana, so let me start with the tragic news there uh, and uh, get into the politics of it a little bit, uh, which is uh, having to do with the issue of gun control. A lot of Democrats, President Obama has expressed some remorse that he hasn't been able to make more progress on gun control. And you've continue to walk a, a straddle a line here. You talk about uh, your, your sort of pro-NRA votes in Vermont uh, having to do with being about Vermont, not no, about no, the nation not, as a whole. Chuck, Chuck, that's not what I said. I come from a state which has virtually no gun control, mm-hmm. and yet I voted uh, to ban certain types of assault weapons. I voted to close the gun show loophole, and I voted for background, instant background checks. And what I said is that a nation, we, as a nation, we can continue screaming at each other mm-hmm. or else we've got to find common ground. Well, what and is that? A, what well, is that? Because common ground said is, what is for it? a start, universal instant background checks. Mm-hmm. Nobody should have a gun who has a criminal background, who's involved in domestic uh, abuse situations. People should not have guns who are going to hurt other people, who are unstable. And second of all, I believe that we need to make sure that certain types of guns used to kill people exclusively not for hunting, they mm-hmm. should not be sold in the United States of America. And we have a huge loophole now with gun shows that should be eliminated. There may be other things that we have to do. But coming from a rural state, I think I can communicate with mm-hmm. folks coming from urban states where guns mean different things than they do in Vermont where it's used for hunting. That's where we've got to go. We don't have to argue with each other right. and yell at each other. We need a common sense solution. You, you bring up the instant background checks. Uh, if you look at the, it appears to be the situation in Louisiana, the situation in Charleston, there were background checks made and they didn't work. They didn't well, catch what was necessary. Instant background checks lead to more speed and more mistakes. Don't you need longer waiting periods? Well, what we need to do is whatever we need is a system that works. Bottom line is, I hope that nobody in America disagrees that people, as in the case of the shooter here in Louisiana, who has a history of mental instability, should not be having guns. People who have criminal backgrounds, people who are abusing wives or girlfriends should not be having guns. That is the issue that I think we can bring people together around. I guess my, my going back to that question, we have those laws in the books, and it's not We've got to make them stronger. We've got to make them more enforceable. That's what we've got to do. So maybe now you have a little better understanding of where Bernie Sanders stands when it comes to guns. What about on other issues? If you're wondering where you fall in comparison to the um, uh, other Democratic candidates, stick around. Robert Borsage from the Campaign for America's Future joins us next to talk about the Populism 2015 platform and the candidate's scorecard on those issues. Don't go away. I'm Nicole Sandler of RadioOrNot.com, filling in for Brad Friedman on the broadcast. <laughs> One more Nicole? She's on live Monday through Friday from 10 to noon Eastern Time and repeating all day at RadioOrNot.com. Listen anytime. We're all gonna 
all want to be elected. But to be elected, well, they need our votes, right? And to get our votes, the candidates need to prove that they are, well, in step with what we, the people, want. At least that's how it's supposed to work. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Nicole Sandler of RadioOrNot.com. In for Brad, keeping the seat warm uh, while he and Desi take a few days off. They'll be back tomorrow, by the way. But back to this, where we stand in relation to the candidates. If you're on Facebook no doubt you've been inundated with those quizzes. What candidate are you most like? Right? Well, I've got something that's a little bit more scientific. I don't know that that's the right word. But uh, the Campaign for America's Future at OurFuture.org has done a lot of great work uh, on progressive politics, as you know. They helped put together the uh, Populism 2015 platform that's been endorsed by organizations representing about 2 million Americans. Right. So from that platform, they then surveyed the Democratic candidates to see where they stand in line with the Populism 2015 platform. It's a good way to gauge which candidate you most closely align with. So on the line with us now is Robert Borisage. He's the co-director of the Campaign for America's Future, which you find at OurFuture.org. And honestly, I got to say, one of the best progressive blogs out there. You've got a stable of amazing writers who cover really important information. It's one of my must-read stops every morning as I do my uh, morning show prep. So you assembled a great group of people over there. But the, the well, re- much appreciated. Uh, well, no, uh, from me too, because look, uh, uh, in this day and age when our media is being more uh, run more and more by uh, big corporations with their own uh, uh, ideology that, that gets pushed out into their media outlets, we need really good progressive news sources. And, um, and so I'm glad you, uh, ourfuture.org is one of them. But the reason I called you today was to talk about something that you've just released, which is the Candidates Scorecard. And you can, uh, people can access it directly at candidatesscorecard.net. Can you explain what this is? Right. The the scorecard measures the positions of Democratic candidates against a very popular uh, populist platform, the Populism 2015 platform that was endorsed by uh, the Campaign for America's Future, by uh, National People's Action, by Working America, by Working Families Party, um, and uh, by U.S. Action and and others. Um, And the platform kind of does basic economic and political reforms that are necessary if we're going to make this economy work for working people again. So we go through each of the the positions in the platform and we grade each of the Democratic candidates on those positions. We then took our grades and and our our judgments and sent them to each campaign. And each of the major three campaigns uh, got back to us, uh, argued with us, corrected us in some cases. Uh, And so this is the summary of of that uh, judgment and the, the scorecard lays it out graphically so it's easy to use it goes through each position it offers links to the campaign sites or speeches where the candidate took that position so it's a, a user-friendly uh, resource okay so now uh, just to make sure we're clear on this the populism 2015 platform was um a project of the campaign for america's future and maybe some other progressive minds this is not the Progressive Caucus People's Budget, right? This is a, a different right. thing. This is, this is a broader platform okay. that includes uh, both political reform and economic reforms beyond the budget. Right, and I'm looking at it right now, and, and if anyone wants to look at the platform on its own, uh, populism2015.org has it, and it's everything from, it starts number one, rebuild America for the 21st century and create jobs for all, goes on to raise wages, empower workers, and reverse inequality, invest in a green economy. I mean, progressive, populist ideas that, frankly, for me, um, I look down this list and I say uh, to all the pundits on TV who are scratching their heads and going, we don't understand how Bernie Sanders is pulling in these huge crowds. Well, read this list and you'll see. I mean, that's how I look at it anyway. So then you took this Uh, this Populism 2015 platform, Building a Movement for People and the Planet, and then you tested 
the candidates based on their responses to your questions uh, on where they fall on all these issues? Well, we we judged them on their platforms, on their speeches, so we graded them independently, and then we sent those judgments to the campaigns Ah. and got reactions from them. Okay. So you do have an actual scorecard, and again, I I may be uh, saying the the obvious here, but uh, this was only for the Democrats, right? I can't imagine what, what the scorecard would look like if you tried to score the Republican candidates on this. It might be fun to do just for grins one day. You know, in your spare time. Yeah, we may we may get around to a, once they winnow down the field. But scoring seventeen Republicans, yeah. most of whom would be ridiculous, <laughs> right. uh, seemed like a, a worth worthless use of time. So yeah, it would be in the when single they digits. The, the number down, we might do a, a scorecard. It'd be interesting. It Trump would? might score well on some of these areas, but most of them, right? I think we'll be no, around it, zero. It's a compare and contrast, though, could be fun again if you find yourself with a lot of extra time on your hands. But so looking at the five declared Democratic candidates, I'm not surprised really by the outcome. Um, uh, And it's no secret. You've got it here on the website, uh, candidatescorecard.net. The one who most closely aligns with this platform, coming in a whopping 93%, is Bernie Sanders. Um, Followed in second place. Now, this one, I, I, I guess I was a little surprised. Martin O'Malley at 86%. Hillary Clinton, third at 75%. Uh, and then there's uh, poor old Jim Webb and Lincoln Chafee bringing up the rear at 34 and 31% respectively. Um, you, you know, uh, were they just not cooperative or just their answers, their their speeches? It just doesn't bear out that they're on the same page. They just haven't filled out their platform. Oh, so they got okay. penalized on points because they just didn't have positions on a whole range mm. of the, the basic uh, platform issues. So is this will the does the campaign for America's future endorse a candidate? What, how, how do you work in that realm? We haven't in the past, but now as a C4, we can. So we may well this year. Wow. <laughs> we haven't so, decided that yet. So as someone, Robert Borsage is with us, um, who's obviously been in this world for a long time. This, uh, You know, I, I get angry, I, you know, but I'm an emotional person. I'll, I'll watch TV and I will almost throw things you know i can't afford a new tv so i don't throw things but i almost do when i hear these both um i'm doing air quotes you can't see but journalists and pundits declaring things making these declaratory statements like oh bernie sanders (laughs) he's not a serious candidate or he can't win I, i i mean i've heard these things over and over again and, and when, when someone says that to me, and they have on my show, my response is something along the lines of, really, do you have a crystal ball that actually works? Because I could, you know, I could do with winning well, the lottery. Well, and also what's stunning about this election is that uh, Bernie has exceeded everyone's expectations, both in terms of where he is in the polling, because this is a, you know, a, a senator who's not known to most of the country yet. Right? He's just introducing himself to people. He now has the lead or uh, in New Hampshire by a great deal. Uh, uh, he is competitive and may well be leading in Iowa the first two primaries. And that's, you know, when the, when the Iowa caucuses take place and the New Hampshire primary takes place, that's the first time most Americans start paying attention right. to the fact that it's a presidential year. And so uh, his name recognition after those two uh, uh, rounds will go up dramatically. Uh, and if he, in fact, does very well in both of them, uh, you'll see his polling go up and, and, uh, dramatically. But And then the other incredibly surprising thing is this is a guy who's refused to set up an independent PAC to, to kind of ask billionaires to uh, support the unlimited contributions. He's refused to go after uh, you know parties uh, of the wealthy, and he's raised almost all of his money on uh, – over the web, over the internet, uh, and social media. And last quarter, he raised $26 million while Hillary raised 28, yeah. uh, collecting as many big donors, you know, as the Clinton, uh, uh, apparatus and circle, uh, could, uh, could corral. So he's been, he's, you know, kind of surely competitive. He's not going to raise as much money as she does, but he's competitive in finances from small donors and activists across the country. He's got huge numbers of volunteers and people excited. And a lot of that is, A, his authenticity, and B, the fact that he's 
funding this campaign without big donors, and then see the message that he's carrying, which is reflected in this platform. Right, and and uh, the other part of funding it without big donors is the sheer number of at least online donations he's gotten over a million. Uh, online donations from over 650,000 people. Now, I don't follow the the, the ins and outs of uh, elections and, and politics that closely. Have, do you recall anyone making these kind of strides like Bernie Sanders is in this cycle, you know, coming seemingly out of left field uh, with no, you know, big part backing, certainly no backing from the party to draw these kinds of crowds and get this kind of enthusiasm behind them? Well, the closest, obviously, is uh, Obama right. in 08 as a freshman senator. Uh, but interestingly, Sanders has uh, more small contributions than Obama did at this period. And Obama surely set the record when he ran. And he has been drawing bigger crowds than Obama did. And of course, Obama's crowds astounded people when he ran. Uh, and so, um, you know, Sanders, as I say, has exceeded our expectations. Uh, he's only introducing himself to people. Uh, he, clearly, his message is powerful. And uh, so those who are saying he can't win, he can't win, as he looks like he's going to win or at least be competitive in the first two uh, in the Iowa caucuses and the New Hampshire primary, yeah. ought to start uh, uh, kind of curbing their uh, their predictions a little bit. Yeah, no, and it's exciting. I mean, for for me to watch because from the beginning, I, I was uh, you know I've interviewed Senator Sanders many times, and I remember urging him to run and telling him that I think he could win. And because uh, you know, one one point that we agreed on is that there are millions of very progressive Americans out there who feel that the Democratic Party doesn't represent them, doesn't speak to their concerns, and so they don't participate. And when the party, look, I live in Florida, we've seen time and time again the Florida Democratic Party give us these uh, Republican uh, or certainly right-leaning, you know, Democrats, doing the air quotes again, um, and, and presenting them to us as Democrats and saying, come vote for them, and then they wonder why the Democrat loses. Well, that's why, when we're finally being given a candidate that it says all the same things we're thinking, I think this could be a huge turnout and, and surprise everybody. Your thoughts? Well, we'll see. There, he has huge obstacles still. You yes. know, Hillary's very yeah. pop- popular among yep. liberal Democrats um, and has obviously universal name recognition, all the money in the world and, and the best uh, operatives in the Democratic Party mm-hmm. working for her. Also, uh, the big uh, obstacle is there's a real third force in uh, in the Democratic Party, certainly in American politics, which is the rising uh, participation and vote of people of color, blacks and Hispanics yeah. particularly. And, uh, you know, Sanders comes from a state that's almost entirely white, uh, even though he was an early activist in the civil rights movement uh, and, uh, and has a sterling record on those issues. Um, he doesn't have the, the ties with the gatekeepers, certainly that uh, Hillary and Bill do. Uh, across uh you know the country and so uh hillary at this point in polling is uh, racking up huge margins among african-americans and uh, latinos and you know if she st- sustains those she'll surely be the overwhelming favorite for the nominee uh, mm-hmm. the question is whether sanders can start to as his name recognition goes up and people start to listen to what he has to say whether that will change Right. And and only time will tell. And we'll see as he goes from state to state. Early indications are pretty good. One last question for you Um, with Hillary Clinton. Do you think it's Bernie Sanders influence that made her come out against the Keystone XL and Trans-Pacific Partnership? Or do you think she she was leaning that way anyway? Well, I think it's a combination of people in motion, of activists. Uh, the activist base of the Democratic Party on these issues is driving the debate. Uh, and so O'Malley has gone there and uh, uh, and uh, Hillary has followed. Uh, and I think it's and then I think it is the challenge that has led her, you know, in the last week headed into this, the first Democratic debate. She's not only come out against TPP, but she's issued new uh, reforms of Wall Street to try to uh, kind of narrow the differences between her and Sanders on some of these major principled issues that people are are concerned about. So I think 
what's interesting about this debate on the Democratic side is that uh, the populist movements from Black Lives Matter to uh, Fight for 15 to uh, Keystone and the environmentalists um, to the uh, movement around trade policy and the demand for American jobs, that they have driven the debat, debate in the Democratic Party. So all of these candidates uh, embrace a whole range of very populist measures that they might not have, certainly O'Malley uh, and Hillary might not have uh, several years ago. Uh, Sanders has gone further, obviously, and he leads in this platform, and he's taken on the big uh major structural reforms we need from breaking up the big banks to Medicare for all mm -hmm. to increasing Social Security benefits, a real program around climate change, taking big money on big money in politics, uh, curbing military spending, etc. And uh, those are the, you know, those are the areas where he creates his lead in our, our candidate scorecard. Uh, and they are kind of central to what, where, what direction we're going to take as a country. Right. Robert Borsage, one, one last question, and that is, uh, you know, uh, considering the events of the past few days, um, it, historically, at least in the last few years, it's always seemed like it's the Democrats who are, um, uh, you know, stuck in this circular firing squad. You know, the Democrats who are the first to you know, pull defeat from the jaws of victory. Really good at that stuff. And now we're seeing the Republicans implode. This whole Kevin McCarthy mess. Uh, any thoughts you want to share on it? Yeah, I mean, th this Republican Congress has become so skilled at obstruction that they now obstruct themselves. Yeah. Uh, they can't even govern themselves, much less govern the country. And uh, I think they, they're they showing uh, that the... Uh, the uh, inmates are starting to take charge of the asylum, and they they simply can't find a leadership that can keep the doors of the country, uh, you know, open the government open and do kind of basic things like rebuild our roads or uh, or pay our debts. And uh, this kind of meltdown is both embarrassing and it has an effect. This Republican Party, Republican uh, Congress people now have the lowest polling numbers in the history of polling <laughs> for any. Wow for any uh, political uh, formation. Uh, you know, they just took on Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood yeah. is more popular than all of the Congress <laughs> combined. So um, they're paying a big price for this, and, and they should. And, and their front runner on the presidential side is also the most reviled among all the candidates. So, you know, boy, talk about... Uh, a dichotomy there. Uh, Robert Borsage, again, I want to point people towards uh, the Populism 2015 platform and where the Democratic candidates stand on it in the Candidate Scorecard. CandidateScorecard.net will get you there. I'll make sure all the information is posted at the Brad blog and as well on my website at, at RadioOrNot.com. Thank you so much for spending a few uh, minutes with us and talking about all this with us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. Good to talk to you. Robert Borsage from the Campaign for America's Future, and I meant what I said. The blog at OurFuture.org should be one of your daily sites that you visit to get a good feel for what's going on in our world, certainly in our progressive vision of what the world should be. And with that, we come to the end of another edition of The Bradcast. Now, Brad and Desi will be back tomorrow, so we got that to look forward to. Uh, in the meantime, I hope you'll check out my show at RadioOrNot.com. I do a live program each morning, Monday through Friday, from 10 to noon Eastern. And then the show is available just like the broadcast is on Stitcher, on iTunes. Uh, we have it posted each day up at RadioOrNot.com, along with a blog post about the day's program. Lots of ways to listen. I hope you check it out. Oh, and it runs all day long on our uh, RadioOrNot.com stream that you can also find on TuneIn at NicoleSandlerShow.com. Got it? Got it. Big thanks to Brad and Desi for having me fill in for them uh, yet again. Big thanks to Robert Borisage of the Campaign for America's Future and to the one and only Cliff Schechter. And to you for listening and welcoming me into your iPods, I suppose. Until next time, as Brad would say, good luck, world. Freedom.